If you're in Quebec City and drive north along the western shore of the St. Lawrence River, after about an hour, you'll come to the Basilica of St. Anne de Beaupre. The chapel was built by French Jesuit settlers in 1658 to house what was believed to be a miraculous statue of St. Anne. By 1688, it had become a site of local pilgrimage and by 1707, Huron Native Americans, who in Canada are called the First Nations, were coming to venerate the saint they called Grandmother in the Faith. The first miraculous healing attributed to the intervention of Saint Anne at Beaupre was the curing of a crippled workman in 1658. This was followed by the unexplained and very unlikely safe deliverance of a group of sailors from a deadly storm in 1670. Miracles and spontaneous healings continue to be associated with the miraculous statue. Some believe in concert with the healing waters that flow in the ground beneath the church. These phenomenal purifications have continued over the centuries to the present day. A chapel in the basilica is stacked with crutches, canes, body braces, collars, shoes, supports, and wheelchairs no longer needed, accessories left behind by those who arrived infirm, but having been healed of their afflictions, were able to walk from the basilica without them. At all times, a battery of votive candles flicker in the chapel's dim light, said to be burning witnesses of the ardent faith of those pilgrims who come to be freed of their afflictions. I have visited the Basilica of St. Anne de Beaupre more than once, not as a pilgrim, but as one of the many tourists who come from around the world to simply be there. It is extraordinary energetically bountiful and fiercely empowering, rendering insignificant any disuniting particularities of one's religious beliefs or practices. The idea of a sacred space, spiritually fertile, where one with faith and immersed in the resident zest can overcome crippling afflictions has always captured my imagination and as metaphor, reinforced my motivational Buddhist fancies. Hence the following. There's a place to the north, just before the front range of the Colorado Rockies fades into Wyoming's Medicine Bow Mountains that John and Claire like to visit. It is locally known as the Rawa Wilderness, a wonderland of soft tundra meadows, numerous lakes, crystal clear streams, and massive rock formations and peaks. Rawa is a Native American term meaning wild place. After a not too long hike from one of the trailheads, one enters a beautiful low grass alpine meadow, complete with a flowing stream leading to a cirque or glacial lake at the meadow's far end. When Claire and John visit, they like to bring along several fresh organic bell peppers of different colors, 
green, red, yellow, and orange, as well as some deep blue lapis lazuli stones that John brought back from the Himalayas in years past. They have a favorite afternoon sunlit place in the meadow, a flat spot near the lake shore on which they spread a treasured blanket of clairs. On the blanket, which is used only on their visits to Rawa, they place some votive candles, a small Chenrizik statue, and two sandalwood malas. Just beyond the edge of the blanket, they dig a small hole in the ground and sit together facing it. They settle into the environment and after some quiet moments begin to grind the lapis into a gritty powder and cut the peppers into pieces. Softly spoken intentions of morality, prayers, and six-syllable mantra recitations follow. And then in turn, each selects a piece of pepper to which a recently experienced klesha, which is an unwholesome afflictive emotion, is attributed, imputing that emotion onto or into the pepper slice. Red seems to be the color they most commonly identify kleshas with. Then a pinch of lapis powder is sprinkled on the pepper piece, signifying the presence of the curative strength and purity of the medicine Buddha. The assigned klesha emotion is softly communicated to the other, and then the pepper, now an offering, is gently laid in the hole. With each offering, Claire and John visualize they are helping purify the karmas and delusions of the sentient beings of the six realms, clearing the way for bodhicitta to arise in their minds. This is done with each piece, one after another. They take their time with this, understanding the causes for these afflictive emotions deeply seated in sentient minds are not so easily dislodged. Their practice is both solemn and joyous, at times each intensely so. Sometimes John and Claire pause and simply sit and hold hands, content to be just an aspect of it all. They talk about the Dharma, the precious teachings that nourish so many. They reflect upon those in their lives they know and care for, both human and animal. They share how fortunate they are to be there together. They also laugh a lot. More peppers go into the Klesha hall, one after another each representing and removing a mental state that arises to cloud the mind and manifest in unwholesome action, anger and grasping, frustration and arrogance, fear and greed, insecurity and envy, anxiety, depression, hatred, conceit, delusion, confusion, doubt, torpor, restlessness, craving, clinging, and the mother of all kleshas, the self-cherishing thought, the direct progeny of ignorance. The atmosphere is spectacular. To be in the midst of such natural beauty overwhelms, so invigorating, so wholesome. 
With each visit, this alpine meadow has become more and more a familiar wilderness home to John and Claire. They are grateful to have found it, this natural ground that is everything they want it to be, a shared place of cleansing, of removing obstacles and limitations, of freedom, of healing, a place of release from all boundaries, a garden of bodhicitta. After some time, they fill in the hole, gather their belongings, and head back to the car, often softly singing. With minds more open and less hindered by pleasures, their walk out differs from the walk in. The Rawa ground now seems a bit softer, their steps lighter, the wilderness colors richer, the sounds of birds heard as the enchantingly sweet ting-ting of perfect little bodhicitta bells. In each of their minds is an ardent faith, a familiar knowing, assenting a deep sense of inspired, open-minded welcome, an unshakable understanding that whatever is to come will be experienced as opportunities for virtue. Dharma moments met and embraced with increasing clarity and ease. Good hearts, fertile minds, purified and clear, confident, hopeful, increasingly capable. Years and distance melt together as do virtuous paths of belief and practice. It is not difficult to see Claire and John's feelings and thoughts nurtured by Tibetan Buddhist sensibilities as close kin to those of deep faith who, through the years, left their crutches and braces behind in that glorious French-Canadian cathedral, at long last walking freely and unencumbered into the rest of their lives. This recording was written and shared here by Mark Winwood. Mark, that's me, is a member of the teaching faculty at Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, and is the founder and principal teacher at the Chenrizik Project, a Tibetan Buddhist study and practice group with an active presence via online sangha gatherings, our regular e-magazine writings, and these Elegant Mind podcasts. If interested, you can learn more about the Chenrizik Project at our website, www.chenrizikproject.org. That's C-H-E-N-R-E-Z-I-G project.org. We welcome your inquiries. Our accompanying music titled Mothra was composed and performed by the San Francisco Bay Area musician Bobby Vega in collaboration with Chris Rosbach. It appears on their 2005 album titled Bobby Vega and Chris Rosbach. Bobby's reputation for feel is legendary. And with this album's music, he shares how transitions and melody can be expressed in creatively new ways on bass where slight variations in feel, touch, and timing can speak emotional volumes. 
You can learn more about Bobby and his music at his website, www.bobbyvega.com. That's B-O-B-B-Y-V-E-G-A.com. Or, as he's very findable online, you can simply Google his name or look for his numerous videos on YouTube. We remain grateful to Bobby for his friendship, his talents, and his generosity in sharing his beautiful music with our Dharma audience. Please feel free to share the link to this podcast with those you feel it might resonate. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you.